the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Points. This is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. It is apparent to me that David was expressing a reality in his own life. And he said in Psalm 27, verse 10, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Isn't that great? David understood. uh, We don't know much about his mother, and we don't know a whole lot about his father, except he was really a poor father who neglected him and didn't think very highly of his own son. David said, If that happens to me, and it did, then the Lord will take me up. That's just a great, great truth. And it ought to encourage you as well. David's famous battle with Goliath is a favorite story for youngsters in Sunday school. But as adults, we all face some giants of our own. What we sometimes think of as a children's story is actually a true account that has some tremendous truths which we can apply to our own spiritual battles. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, this is Peter Silseth, and it is my privilege to introduce our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve continues a series of messages about one of the greatest men of God who ever lived, King David. If you have your Bible, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's time now to begin our class. At the beginning of the wilderness wanderings, the children of Israel were sent out, at least 12 of them were sent out by Moses as spies to check out the land of of Canaan. But when they returned, their report was that it's a wonderful land, but we're fearful. They were intimidated. Why? Because they said that when we saw the people in the land, we felt like grasshoppers. We, We were little, insignificant in their sight. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Ever felt like a grasshopper? Maybe you haven't used that expression, but felt small and powerless to overcome the giants in your life. The uh, Jewish spies said that they're like giants in the land. They're big. They're stronger than us. They're taller than us. We can be uh, fearful of giants, too. Not perhaps physical giants, but other kinds of giants. The giants of fear and worry, doubt, bitterness, jealousy. How about the giants of lust? that uh, towers over so many men? How about the giants of grief and loneliness and depression and the giants of wanting something so bad that I would sin to get it? Now, these are giants that we face every day. This is reality. This is where we are. And and we need to know how to defeat those giants or else they're going to be defeating us. And some of us live uh, defeated lives more times than we'd like. Well, the Bible really tells us, and it gives great hope and encouragement for how to defeat a giant, because 500 years after the Jewish spies returned paralyzed with fear, one of their descendants 
by the name of David stood up to one of the giants in the lands, a descendant of one of those original giants named Goliath, and, and he slew him. And it's from this incident of David slaying the giant Goliath that we learn some, some real key biblical principles uh, to help us understand how to defeat the giants in our own lives. Now, as we saw last week, David was chosen by God to be the, the next king. He was anointed. Samuel actually came to his home and uh, poured oil on him that spoke of the anointing. In fact, that was the anointing. He was, in one sense, you could say he was the Christ, in the sense that the term Christ means the anointed. He was the anointed one, ready to be the next king. But he really had not ascended to the throne yet. Uh, in fact, nobody knew much about David except God. And when God looked into David's heart, what he saw was a heart of, uh, of faithfulness, a heart of obedience, a heart of humility, and he also saw a heart of great faith, tremendous trust in him. He was everything that the present king Saul was not. Saul was proud, Saul was faithless, Saul was disobedient, and in fact it says in chapter 16 that God removed his spirit from King Saul, and it also says that God gave David his spirit. And his spirit worked in those days in the sense he would come upon someone to empower them for certain work that he had called them to do. And uh, slaying Goliath was a demonstration of God's empowering of, of David. So in the encounter with Goliath, God brings about the circumstances that will reveal to the nation David and how great he was. The nation really didn't know him. His own father didn't uh, know him. In terms of knowing his greatness, his brothers looked down upon him. And this is all part of the beginning process of bringing David to the throne. It's going to take several years, but this is the beginning process. And in this beginning process, as God is plucking him from obscurity as a shepherd boy in Bethlehem to become the next king and the shepherd king of, of Israel, God reveals to us the kind of faith that slays giants. So if you want victory over a giant in your life, or maybe many giants that, that threaten you, uh, here are some key principles to apply to your life about triumphant faith. We looked at two of them last week. We'll quickly review, and then we'll get to two more this week. We said that triumphant faith, first of all, is motivated by God's honor. That is extremely important. That's where it begins, the proper motivation. As the story unfolds, uh, unfolds for us in 1 Samuel 17, if you're not turned there, you, you should. I'll just quickly bring us up to where we are. It unfolds for us in 1 Samuel 17. David becomes aware of the situation facing Israel that Goliath, a giant over, over nine feet tall, probably about nine feet, nine inches, actually. Oh, that's close to 10 feet. And uh, Goliath, the Philistine, is challenging Israel. He is taunting the armies of the living God uh, to send someone out to fight him. He's mammoth. He's huge. His armor is weighty. He's, he's ready to take on Israel's best warrior. And verse 16 says that he shouted this two times a day, morning and evening, for about 40 days. He would come down from a, a hill in the valley of Elah. The Philistines would be on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other side. He would come down into the valley and uh, he would shout out his taunts and his challenges. He's a giant. It's intimidating. It's scary. And the soldiers are, are afraid. It says that in, uh, in chapter uh, 17, verse 11, it says they're, they're fearful. If you look at uh, verse 11, it says, 
When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. It says in verse 24, when all the men of Israel saw the man, that is Goliath, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his books, said that Goliath reminded him of the cross-eyed discus thrower. He didn't set any records, but he sure kept the crowd awake. <laughs> Rather appropriate. I think that's true. And, and the, this crowd is awake. They're awake with fear. They're really intimidated. But David was not intimidated. David was not afraid. David, he's just a boy. Scholars estimate about 16 years old. And he's not intimidated. Why? Because David was so concerned about God's honor that he didn't allow his own fear to grip him. And that's a, that's a key thought about how to overcome fear. First, uh, First John 4.18 says that mature love casts out fear. That is to say that when you have love for God... Uh, you don't allow fear to control you. Your love for God so, is so strong that it casts out any fear. Even the fear that you might be tempted with, because you love God so much, uh, you are not going to let that control you. It, so it caused David to, to, to really burn with righteous indignation. He was consumed with God, not himself. He didn't allow himself to become uh, absorbed with his own fear. Now, uh, verse 26 gives us an indication of where David is coming from. In verse 26, and David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine, takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? He is consumed with God's honor. Now, this is important for us because the first step in defeating a giant that threatens to overpower you is to ask yourself why you won victory in the first place. That's so basic, but I think we often overlook that. Why do I want victory? Is it because this besetting sin just bothers me? Is it because it keeps me back from making uh, progress, perhaps at my job or with my family? Is it because I don't look good? Is it to enhance my life and make it more comfortable? Do I have a nasty habit that's maybe very costly? And I just, you know, I don't want to spend the money anymore on this stuff. Uh, what is it? The real motivation should be to honor the Lord God because being defeated does not bring honor to him. Being controlled by something does not bring honor to him. Being defeated does not bring glory to God. And that is really basic. And you need to ask yourself, what is my motivation? Why do I want victory over sin? So the first the first characteristic of triumphant faith is that it's motivated by God's honor. The second characteristic is that it's strengthened by past victories. That's very important. After David volunteers to fight Goliath, King Saul tries to persuade him not to. After all, just a boy, and Goliath is a man, and uh, he's been a, a warrior from his youth. But David is not easily discouraged. Not easily discouraged because he remembers how God delivered him in the past. And therefore, if God delivered him in the past, God is certainly capable of delivering him in the present. And he relates to King Saul's story. He says, look, there was a lion who once uh, came for some sheep. And you know what? I rose up and killed him. God empowered me then. And there was a bear that came and I rose up and killed him. And I grabbed that, that uh, lamb from his mouth and I, I, I took care of it. The same God who gave me victory in the past certainly is alive today to give victory in the present. So Goliath does not intimidate me. I've already been against a bear and a lion. Who is this Philistine that, that it would concern me? Now, what was David doing? This is a great truth for us in our own battles with giants. 
If you're going to slay a giant, you need to be strengthened by the fact that as you look back in your in your past, you say, God did it. God brought me through this crisis. God brought me through this problem. God brought me through uh, victory over sin and temptation. He can do it again. Each of us have bear and, and lion incidents that we need to recall as we face threatening adverse, uh, adversaries today in adversity. Same God. He can deliver you. Now, let me ask you a question. How much do you meditate on God's on God's goodness in your life? How much do you really think about what God has done in your life? How much do you thank him for what he's done in your life? It was so nice for Pauline to get up and say, the orchestra is thankful for this and their devotions. They thank God for this. That's good. How much do we really thank him for what he's done for you? You see, we need to discipline our minds and ourselves to thank God for his great acts in our in our lives. And then I think we can face the present giants with greater confidence in God. We often forget what God has done. It's a good thing in your devotions every day to be thankful for something, uh, for a few things. In fact, to just be thanking God. God, thank you that you did this last week. Thank you that you did this yesterday. Thank you that, that you've done this. And not only in what he's done in, in, in redeeming you, but also what he's just done in your life. That's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to meditate on it. Meditate on those past victories. Now that brings us up to the present. Triumphant faith is motivated by God's honor. It's strengthened by past victories. It is also balanced with human responsibility. What a great truth. Let's look at verses 38 through 40. First Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 38. Then David, then Saul rather clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with armor. And David girded his song, his sword over his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. And David took them off and he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them into the shepherd's bag which he had even in his pouch and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine after Saul reluctantly permitted David to fight Goliath he offered him his own sword and his armor and and so forth but David took them off why because they were weighty and he hadn't used them they would they would slow him down he wasn't used to this but what David was used to doing was throwing stones, using a sling and throwing some stones. So he selected five smooth stones from a nearby brook in the Valley of Eli, went out to fight Goliath. Now, I think it's easy to pass over these verses and say, look, let's get to the good stuff. I really want the gory stuff. You know, the stone goes right into the guy's head and he falls down. Let's get to that. That's that's the interesting stuff. That's an action stuff. But I, I think in, there's a tendency to overlook some great lessons here for us. And let me give you some of these. These lessons center around the principle that faith that slays a giant is always balanced with human responsibility. That's what I see here is so important. You see, David's faith in the Lord did not mean that he had no responsibility in this whole battle. He didn't go to battle assuming that God would deal with Goliath apart from, from David's letting that, that stone fly. That's very important. Why? Why is that important and very practical for us? There are many, many Christians today who assume that God is going to fight all their battles. God's going to fight them, and they don't have to do a thing. And how do I know that? Because you hear such phrases like, I'll just pray about it. And what they mean is, I'll only pray about it. 
I'll just pray. I've prayed about it. Yeah, well, what else? I've prayed about it. Or uh, I've given it to the Lord. And it's a good thing to give to the Lord. But what they mean is I've just given it to the Lord. Are you doing anything else? No, I've given it to him. What they don't tell you is they've often taken it back from him too. But I've given it to the Lord. Or just let go and let God. You hear that phrase, just let go and let God. I have no idea what that means. Let go and, and let God. Uh, you know what? All of those phrases and, and the way I presented them uh, are wrong. They're, they're wrong. If that's all you do, it's poor theology. It's a false view of sanctification, which is a big term meaning uh, how we grow spiritually. That's a false view of sanctification. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's some truth to that, but truth out of balance can be heresy. Look at, for example, look at all the passages in the New Testament that command us to do something. They don't command God to do it. God doesn't command himself to do it. They are commands to us to do something as we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is speaking about Christian liberty and about what he can do, what he can't do. And finally, he turns to himself and he says, you know what? I don't want to just preach to you and not have discipline in my own life in this area of liberty because I can cross over the edge. There is a very thin line between what's a liberty issue and, and what's what's not. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run, he says, in such a way that you may win. Now notice the action, the effort here. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, Paul says, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I buffet my body. Literally, it's I give myself a black eye. I buffet my body, I make it my slave, lest possibly after I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Notice the discipline there. Paul didn't say God's going to do it. Paul said, I do it. God doesn't give me a black eye. I do. I beat my body up. I discipline my body. I, I put out human effort. How about Matthew chapter 5? Jesus said, and I'll just paraphrase it to you. If, if you're in the battle with lust, if your eye offends you, cut it out. Just, just take it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Now, I don't think he was talking about physically do that. Although some in history have thought such and uh, have uh, had problems. But I think what he's talking about is whatever measures you have to take in this area of, of lust and the battle, take, take drastic measures in order to obey the Lord. But what he's saying is you do it. God's not going to do it. He's told you what to do. You do it. Effort. How about James 4, 7, which says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Did God say, I'll resist him for you? He said, you do it. God's not going to resist the devil for us. He tells us to do it. How about the battle of our speech? You ever say the wrong things? I do all the time. I don't know why there aren't amens in that, but uh, not for me doing it, but why, why you're not saying, of course you, you do. How about this? Ephesians 4, 29. Now, God is telling this to us. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. You always speak words of edification? I, I don't think so. But yet here's the command. You do it or it won't get done. God says you have that responsibility. God's not going to do that for you. Now, this approach to, to Christian living scares a lot of people. A lot of people, and that's uh, often why there are, there are books about what's called the deeper life. There are conferences on the deeper life. Be, and the reason this scares a lot of people is because they view it as all human effort. 
just doing it in the flesh and uh, bypassing God. And where where is God's part in this? You're just living the Christian life in your own strength. And you know what? That's that's a very valid concern. That's a valid concern. So we need to uh, see where does God fit into human effort in this whole thing? Well, we need to balance human responsibility with an understanding uh, of God's help in this area of living the Christian life. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. In in my judgment, Philippians chapter 2 gives us the the balance laid out for us in a teaching manner. Uh, This ought to liberate your life if you understand this. If you struggle in this area of trying to have a balance of human effort and, and divine enablement, then you should, must know, not should, but must know Philippians chapter 2 Verse 12 and following, Paul says, So then, my beloved, Philippians 2.12, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, watch this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Paul didn't say work for your salvation. Salvation is is a gift from God. But he said, those of you who are saved, work it out with fear and trembling. That's your effort. That's human responsibility. Is that not what it says? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, someone might say, isn't this sheer human effort? Isn't this fleshly? Isn't this all of you? Well, you haven't read the next verse. It balances it. Here's the explanation. Here's why you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's a wonderful verse. Let me read that again. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What does that mean? This is how you grow and obey. As God works in us. How does he work in us? You take in the word of God. You take in the word of God. And as you take in God's word, God works in you by giving you the desire. That is the will. When he says to will. The desire to obey him. You take in the word and and you have a desire to obey him. And as you take in the word, he gives you the strength. That's what he means by to work for his good pleasure. He gives you the strength to work for his good pleasure. So as you take in the word of God, you have a desire to obey him and you have the strength to obey him. So it's you doing it, but it's God giving you the desire and the strength to do what honors him. That's how it works. It's not all of you. And it's not even all of God. It's a wonderful blend of a combination. He gives you the desire. He gives you the strength. He gives you the enablement. But you have the responsibility to do it. He's not going to do it for you. I hope that makes sense to you. Because this is the biblical balance between human responsibility and God's enabling grace. This is precisely what Paul meant in Ephesians chapter 6 when he said, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong, do what God wants you to do, but understand that it's God who's enabling you to do it. And don't worry about it. I mean, I've known people who don't want to to move out and do anything of obedience because they are afraid that they might be doing it in the flesh. I never concern myself with that. You want to obey, it's because God's put a desire and enablement in your heart to do it. You'll be paralyzed, you'll be crippled. Spiritually, wondering, is this of God or is it not? You don't see that in the Word. Just do it. When Paul uh, gave himself a black eye, so to speak, as he disciplined himself, he didn't say, I don't know if this is of the flesh or not. It's not of the flesh if you want to obey the Lord. God's given you the strength to do it. So don't just sit around waiting for God to, to fight your battles. That's the point. 
He's not going to fight your battles apart from you doing what you're supposed to do. The balance is also don't try to win it in sheer willpower without relying upon what the Word of God says and taking in the Word of God and wanting to honor the Lord. It was a joy to have you in our class with us today. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this message on the next verse by verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily radio classes are adaptations of his practical messages produced by Verse by Verse Ministries and funded by listeners like you. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. We have today's lesson available for listening or download, as well as many previous classes. If you would like to help support Verse by Verse, you'll find out how on the website. You can find out more at versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the first part of a two-part message. To order a CD or a cassette version of the whole message, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave a name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours so that you can order your copy. I love how the Apostle Paul told people specifically how he prayed for them. In the case of the Ephesians, he prayed that God would make them aware, among other things, of the riches of His glory and the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. That power was not only available to the original giants of the Old and New Testaments. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.